You know, there's some aspects in a congregation, some things that are done behind the scenes that nobody knows about. There are so many things that happen here at Westside that you and I, we have no idea. Uh, there are many things that, that go on with the elders that we're not going to know, many things that go on in different in various areas of the deacons that you and I are just going to be unaware. There are things that have happened for us to be sitting here in this room tonight. There have been lights that have been turned on, air that has been adjusted, communion that has been made up. All kinds of things have taken place for us to be here tonight that you and I, we don't ever even get thought to. It's just here and it happens and we're just so glad that it does, but we don't even know who takes care of some of these things. We just know it happens. We're thankful for it, but we really don't know who to thank all the time. And then there are some aspects of a congregation that are so blatantly obvious. There are some things that, that people do and it is just out in front and you know it and it happens every week, week after week after week, and it's there and maybe we just take it for granted and we don't stop to even say, thank you for what you do. I think that's the case sometimes with Bible class teachers. You know, we ask for people to sign up and people do. It just happens. I don't remember a quarter in recent memory where uh, we've had to go and just yank anybody and say, hey, I need you to sign up. It, it just gets taken care of. Y'all are so good at just signing up and, and it gets taken care of. And you do it, you do it week after week after week. And so often it goes without a thank you. I was thinking about a lesson like this and I started thinking back to my childhood, and I would encourage you to do the same. Those of us who were blessed to be raised in Christian homes, I was thinking about some of those Bible class teachers. You know, I've been going to Bible class my whole life. Whenever we would go on the road of vacation, we never left without going to Bible class that I can recall. So all my life, I can remember going to Bible class, and that is such more of a credit to my parents than it is anything for me. But I got to thinking back to my early days of childhood, and I remember the, the church building in Winfield, Kansas, where I was born and raised. And do this in your mind. And, and I remember going back to that building. And I remember, I don't remember Cradle Roll. <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Gwen, but I don't remember. I don't remember Cradle Roll. I don't know if any of you remember Cradle Roll. But that's not taken away from its importance. But I do remember as a young, young boy walking down the back steps of the auditorium. Uh, and I thought they were so big. Right? They were so big, such big steps. But you would go to the back of the auditorium, you'd walk down the steps and around the corner, and the classroom that I was in at that age was right there at the bottom of those steps. And her name was Miss Arshambo. The first teacher I can remember. Miss Arshambo. I remember Miss Arshambo. She went on to her reward many, many, many years ago. She was an older teacher when I had her. I thought she was ancient, of course. Uh, they all look old when you're that age. But I, I thought she was ancient, and she lived a long time after I had her for a teacher. But I remember Miss Archambo. I remember sitting at that table. In my mind's eye, I can go back, and there are certain things that I can see and things that I can remember. And I guarantee you, there wasn't one time that I walked out of that classroom and I said, thank you, Miss Archambo. Thank you for the work that you put into this class today. Thank you for taking the time and setting it aside to prepare so that you could help me. Young people, this is not a lesson just for Bible class teachers. I think there's something in this for all of us to be reminded of. 
But when's the last time any of you turned around to your teacher and said, thank you? Thank you for the time you put into teaching me. Thank you for helping me grow closer to God. Thank you for loving me enough to, to love Jesus and to tell me about Him. And thank you for loving me enough to want me to go to heaven. We Bible class teachers do so much. And tonight I want to think about Bible class teachers, but again, something for all of us on my prayer. I want you to open your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 24. And from Joshua 24 and on into the book of Judges, I want tonight to look at four reasons why Bible class teachers teach. Why do Bible class teachers teach? And I think if we keep this in mind for all of us who do any teaching, whether it's cradle roll, all the way up through adult classes, any of us who do any kind of teaching along the way, there are four reasons that we can get out of this text, it seems to me, for why teachers teach. And so tonight I want you to think about it. Let's pick up in verse number one, and then I'll give you the first reason. Verse one of Joshua 24, the Bible says that Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the, God, the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. And to Isaac, catch the eyes, to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to, to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. And afterward I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and He put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the, of the Jordan. And they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel. And he sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore he continued to bless you, so I delivered you out of his hand. Then you went over the Jordan, and you came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now let's pause there for a moment. You don't know why Bible class teachers teach? Number one, they have to tell of the wonderful things of God. You have to teach, you have to tell others about the wonderful things of God. That's why you teach. And it doesn't matter, again, if you're talking cradle roll or any other age, you teach so that you can tell about the wonderful things of God. And You may be sitting here tonight and you look at those first 13 verses and you're saying, I know all about that. I know about uh, Terah 
being on the other side of the river, and I know about God calling Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. I know all about his descendants. I know all about his children. I know all about Egypt. I know all about bondage. I know all about God bringing them out and leading them through Joshua into the promised land. I know all about that. Then say thank you to a Bible class teacher. So many of us learned and had these reiterated from, from home. These have been taught over the years by teachers who love God, and they want to tell you how wonderful He is. That's why Bible class teachers teach. I have to tell you about God and the wonderful things of God. And you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, and you start with creation and the power of God and the world that God created for us to live in. And then you get to Genesis chapter 3, and you look at sin entering the world and the great promise that God made to send the one from the seed of, Abraham, uh, from the seed of Adam who would crush the head of Satan. Of course, coming from woman. And you start about telling those about the, the wonderful Son of, G, of God. You start to tell them about Jesus and the wonderful love that He showed in leaving heaven to come down to this earth and to live a perfect life. To put on flesh and yet not ever give in to temptation. To put on flesh and not ever sin while He was wearing this body. So that He could offer Himself as a perfect sacrifice. You back up to John chapter 3 and verse 16 and you remind them that God so loved them that He sent His Son to die for them. So that they don't have to be condemned. They don't have to be lost, but they can be saved. You teach because you need them to know how wonderful God is. That's exactly what God is reminding His, His people of here through Joshua in Joshua chapter 24. I want to remind you how much I love you. I want to remind you of what I've done for you. I want to remind you of all that I've always had in mind. I want to remind you of this great plan I've had from the beginning. And now you're here in the promised land. I told you I would get you here. And then you and I were taught about all the great promises that God continues to make through the rest of the Bible. The promises leading up to the coming of Christ. And then Jesus accomplishing for us what He did in dying on the cross and then being raised and ascending back to heaven. And the great promises that you and I know await us as we are faithful to Him. We can be with Him in heaven. You teach because you've got to know how wonderful God is. Thank you for that. Tonight... I really do want to say thank you. And I want to motivate us to continue to teach. Continue to tell the great news. Continue to tell others about Jesus and the gospel and what we can have in Him. But continue reading with me. In Joshua 24 and verse number 14. Now therefore fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is He who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. 
who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. And you can continue reading. And if you get down a little bit further, you will find that there are 11 verses in this context, this particular point that I want you to see. And in those 11 verses, there are 14 times that you're going to find the word serve. Why do you teach? Number two, you teach because you want to help others serve the Lord. You teach because you need them to know what it means to obey the Lord. Joshua here is telling the people, okay, based on who God is and the wonderful things that He has done, that should motivate you to serve Him. Isn't that right? Now that's the order. Don't get it wrong. Don't mix it up. Don't talk about service without talking about a wonderful God first. You have to get it right. We have to get it right. Our young people are going to love God because of what He's done, what, who He is and all that He's done for us. And then that will motivate them to serve. But you can't talk service without first talking about how wonderful God is. But listen, is service important? Are we going to make it to heaven without obeying the commands of God? The answer is no. It is important. And we are not going to get to heaven without serving God. Jesus said, if you love me, what will you do? You'll keep my commandments. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to them that obey Him. Hebrews 5 and verse 9. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Why do you teach? Oh, because you, you need others to know how to obey God. You want them to know how great God is and everything that He's done for them. And you want that them to motivate them to serve Him and to be faithful to Him for how long? Until they die. Revelation 2 and verse 10. I'm so thankful as I think about it more and more for those who loved me enough to tell me about a wonderful God and all that He's done for me. And I'm so thankful over the years to look back over my life and to think about not Cradle Roll and Miss Arshambo and, and others along the way who have taught me all the way through college and, and then into other areas of my life. I am so thankful that they were helping me to know how to obey God because they want me to go to heaven. That's why you teach. Thank you for that. Now let me give you a third one. Are you ready? Just two verses. Verses 23 and 24. Now therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve and His voice we will obey. You say, well that sounds a whole lot like what I just talked about in serving God. But back up to verse 23, and he says, Put away the foreign gods which are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord. Why do you teach? This is not the fun one, but this is why you teach. You teach because you need them to know about the devil. 
You need those that you're teaching to know about the schemes of the wicked one. You need them to know that there's an adversary that's standing against them. You teach so they'll know about the devil. You teach so that you don't, you, they won't miss it in their lives. There are false gods among the people of God, and that's the work of Satan. And Joshua is saying, you better get Satan out of your life. You better get him out of your life. I teach because I don't want Satan to come into the lives of any of our young people or old people. We don't want Satan in their lives. I don't want Satan in my life. I don't want to give him an opportunity in my life. You start with teaching about a wonderful God and how to obey Him, how to serve Him, as Joshua is talking about here. You teach because there is an adversary that stands against them. He's walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. That's why Paul says, arm yourselves with the full armor of God that you can stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. You've got to stand against him. He's out there and he's after you. I don't want to sugarcoat that. But I also want them to know that there's a wonderful God who's more powerful than Satan. Who loves them more than Satan could ever. I want them to know all of these things. You know why I teach? In this point, I think it's worth noting. The word inclined. You see that in your Bible in verse 23? That word inclined is such an interesting word. It really carries with it two different ideas that do go together. The first idea you would think is right. It's the idea of turning. So incline your heart to God. So put away the false gods and incline your heart to God. So turn to God and serve Him. Love Him based on who He is and what He's done for you. So turn. Incline your heart to God. Turn. But the second idea of that word incline carries with it the idea of pitching a tent. The idea of spreading over. Now, you pitched a tent before. Right? Have you seen a pitched tent? Yesterday, that's a dust storm to, to write home about. Right? That was a dust storm to write home about. That, that was a good one. It was a really good one. It was great for most of the day. And when that wind turned, it was different. All right, that's a dust storm to write home about. That wind was really something yesterday. You better have your tent pitched pretty good if it's going to withstand the kind of wind that we saw yesterday afternoon. And that's exactly what Joshua was talking about. He said, you need to turn away from the foreign gods, turn away from the adversary, get away from Satan, turn to God, and pitch your tent there. That's why I teach. Now, why you teach? Because you don't want them to turn to Satan. You want them to turn away from Satan and to pitch their tent, to spread themselves, their lives out over God. Thank you for loving those that you teach enough to do that. As I look across the audience tonight, there are some who, who have done a lot of teaching over the years who may not now. And I don't want to leave anybody out. I want to say thank you to those who have done a lot of teaching who may not do quite as much now. Everybody is loved and appreciated who is trying their, their best to do these kinds of things to help those so much. When you get to be older like me, and some of you, you can, you can look 
back on your life and you know this is right. Brother Jack, I bet, I bet you can look back over your life and you can think about these teachers too in your life. And again, this isn't to minimize what's going on in our homes and the teaching that we're trying to do at home, but this is reinforced such a, in such a big way when we come to Sunday school, when we come to Bible class. I just want to say thank you. But this is why we teach. Because we tell about a wonderful God and how to serve Him, how to obey Him. We teach about the adversary that's standing against them and and all that God has done in order to combat him and the need for us to stay faithful to God and resist the devil because we need him to flee. You know why you teach? Because you're not okay with anybody in those classes being lost. Some of you Bible class teachers, you just think about those kids that are sitting in there across the table and, and you're standing there and you're overlooking them and you're trying to teach them and you ask yourself, which one are you okay with walking away later in life? And you're not okay with that, are you? You're not okay with them walking away. And that's exactly, I think, what Joshua is saying. It's not okay. Stay with God. Don't give in to the devil. Stay with him. He's, he's too great and wonderful and he's done too much for you to walk away from him. You stay with him and he will see you through. You got the first three. Why do you teach? To tell about a wonderful God and all that he's done. Why do you teach? You teach so that they will faithfully serve him for their whole life. Why do you teach? You teach so that they will know of the devil and they will avoid him and the schemes that he places in front of them, temptations that he's going to place in their way, that he is seeking to devour them and all he wants is the ruination of their soul. Number four. Turn over to the book of Judges. Maybe just a page or two over in your Bibles if you're using a a paper copy. To Judges chapter 2 and verse 7. Judges chapter 2 and verse 7, where the Bible says, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Isn't that great? And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnaharis in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaish. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which He had done for Israel. You underline in your Bible, underline the word all in verse number 7, and you'll find it three times. All. All the days of Joshua. All the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works which the Lord God had done in Israel. And then underline it again in verse number 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose that did not know God. Why do you teach? Fourth and finally, you teach. Because you know Someone taught you, and now you're teaching so that they will teach. You're teaching so the next generation will teach. You have a mindset that says, not 
on my watch. I will not be the generation that drops the ball. I will make sure that the next generation is taught so that they will teach the next generation. I think Joshua cha- or Judges chapter 2 and verse 10 really speaks against the home and, and lack of teaching in the home. But I think we can properly apply it to a congregation. Our shepherds are not going to live forever, though I hope they live a long, long time. But good shepherds in a congregation will think beyond themselves. They'll be thinking to the next generation. What are we doing for the next generation? How is this congregation going to be years from now? You think about the teachers in your life who are no longer living. Those faithful who have gone on to their reward. And someday, if the Lord doesn't come back before, that's going to be us. What are we doing for the next generation? Something to think about. Something to really think about. What am I doing for the next generation? And so tonight I close with where we started in our scripture reading. And I think about a grandmother concerned about the next generation, don't you? And I think about a mother who was concerned about the next generation, don't you? And you look there in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 5 and into verse number 6, Paul is talking about the genuine faith of Timothy. And he says, Timothy, I am reminded there in verse number 5 of the genuine faith that is in you, which existed first in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice. And I am convinced is in you as well. A genuine faith. You know what Paul is saying? Timothy, when I look at you, what I see is genuine. You're not faking it. This is the real deal. This is real and genuine faith that I see in you. And what I know is this first existed in your grandmother, and it's been in your mother, and now it is in you. That sounds like generational, doesn't it, to you? How did you know about that, Timothy? Well, that from childhood, as James read for us a moment ago, from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. Continue in them. I don't want to be the generation that drops the ball, do you? I don't want to be the generation that lets the next generation down. As I look at young people all around the room, Who are you okay with losing? Who are you okay with not making it, not being taught? You're not okay with any of that. But I wonder, again, if the Lord doesn't come back first, I wonder about their children. Their children. Why do you teach? Because God is wonderful and He's done so many wonderful things. You teach because you need them to serve Him, to be faithful to Him. You teach because you know there's an adversary that's out there standing against them and they need to know about Him, right? And how to avoid Him. And you teach because you know that there's another generation that's probably going to come if the Lord doesn't come first. You know there's another generation. No matter what's going on in our world, there's a generation that they have to know about God. What Jesus has done to save them from their sin. 
That's why we teach. Let me tell you about Lois. Lois is a former elder's wife of mine, uh, where we served in Missouri. Miss Lois now lives in Jonesboro, Arkansas. She's a member of a large congregation of the Lord's Church in Arkansas. And, and Miss Lois is 87 years old. And I talked to her not that long ago. And all the time that she was serving in the congregation where we were, uh, they, they came in after we'd been there a while, but she signed up to teach and she just taught. She just continued teaching and loved teaching uh, young people. Uh, I think it would be about the primary class. I mean, lo- young people loved it. And I said, Miss Lois, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm still teaching Bible class. I was somewhat surprised, to be honest with you. But she sounded good and she sounded strong. And she made the statement to me that I want to leave you with tonight. She said, Adam, I refuse to rust out. I will wear out. That's a Bible class teacher. That's somebody who loves the souls of young people. Who wants, them to tell, who wants to tell them about a wonderful God and how to serve Him. Who wants to make sure that young people know about the adversary who stands against them and how great and big God is to help defend against the devil. She knows that she's not going to live forever. At this rate, she might live longer than me. But she knows she's not going to live forever. She's going to ensure that while she's alive, people are going to be taught so they can teach. Teachers, thank you. Thank you for what you do. It goes so often unsaid, but thank you for what you do. Thank you for your work in the church. It's one of the greatest works in the kingdom I think there is. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for the example that you provide. Say thank you to your teachers. They love you. Tonight, the message is yours. I want you to think about it with me, that we do serve a wonderful God and He's provided us a way to be saved. And if there's anyone sitting here tonight who is outside of Christ, I wonder why. Why why are you staying there? Why aren't you responding to the invitation? You know that you need to give your life to the Lord. You know that only in Christ can you be forgiven of your sin. You know that He died for you and you can live for Him. And tonight, if you're outside of Christ, there's no need to stay there. Tonight, you can be saved. You can be added by the Lord to His church through faith, repentance, and baptism. Won't you make that turn tonight? Won't you incline your heart to the Lord and pitch your life with Him? Tonight, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, it's extended to you. But tonight, my friend, if you are a Christian and maybe you've wandered away, or maybe you're listening tonight and you're thinking, you know what? I'm just not teaching the way I should, or I'm not doing what I should in, in one aspect or another of your life. The Lord's invitation is extended to you. What an honor it would be to pray with you and for you. Tonight, if we can help you in any way, please come. Walk together, we stand and sing.